Welcome to Boys to Men with Alex Salazar. In this podcast, I'll be helping young men become great men through the exploration of topics like health, wealth, entrepreneurship, relationships, and much more. The purpose of this exploration is to inspire action, allow room for reflection, and offer tangible tools to attack your weeks. Because I can't do it alone, I will bring in guests with a variety of backgrounds and expertise. My philosophy on this channel is respect through thoughtful dialogue and the pursuit of truth. We can disagree, but let's keep the conversations going. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. In the following interview with Christian Carrion, you'll note the audio is a bit different from previous episodes. That's because the audio unfortunately cut out halfway through while we were recording, so we are going with the iPhone audio, which actually doesn't sound as bad as I was expecting. Nonetheless, this was an amazing talk with Christian. I gained a ton of value, and I'm sure you will too. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to episode four of the Boys to Men podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, Christian Carrion, who is an immigrant entrepreneur who co-founded a wealth managing firm at the age of 27 in order to help create financial plans that help minimize the impact of any life events people go through. He has then founded two other companies, Paradigm Shift Trading, an educational company that focuses on helping young traders create a systematic way of approaching the markets, and Create Wealth Management, a wealth managing firm that helps high net worth individuals outperform the market through algorithmic strategies that he created. Christian's journey as a kidney disease survivor has propelled him to build business that help people create the life they want. Christian, welcome. Thanks for having me. So we have shared the stage uh, at a couple of speaking events and I've had the pleasure of getting to know your amazing story. Um, both through childhood and your teenage years and obviously into your early 20s. But not a lot of people have had the same pleasure of that. So I was wondering if we could start there, if you could just kind of tell people, um, you know, what your childhood was like going into your teenage years. Yeah, so I grew up in Mexico. I I grew up in, you know, a very normal family. You know, it, it was my mom had her own business. My dad had his own business. Everything was great. Uh, at the age of four, my younger sister developed a kidney problem. Her kidneys failed. And after, you know, everything that followed after that, it was dialysis, doctor appointments. It was pretty much two years after that, you know, um, after I was becoming aware of her condition, it was two years of just hospital visits. Week by week, that's my that's my childhood. That's what I remember. Mm-hmm. And... Unfortunately, she ended up passing away when she was six. Uh, her kidneys um, gave out. Her heart ultimately gave out because it could not sustain the, the you know, the, it didn't have the strength to help her um, push forward anymore. And so, at that point, everything sort of changed. My mom felt um, well. She got depressed and she felt betrayed. Mm-hmm. This is what she says, right? She says she felt betrayed by her country, being that she was a you know, had a pretty big business. She employed a lot of people from the city. She donated a lot. Uh, She helped out in the city, whatever she could. Uh, She had a nonprofit. She helped out in whatever way she could. And she uh, was convinced to give the hospital where my sister was going uh, to dialysis to uh, 
donate some extra cash in order to move my sister up in the transplant list. And so she did that. My sister never got that opportunity mm -hmm. and she ended up passing away. And so my mom just wanted to give everything away and start all over again. She felt that if wealth could not solve her problems, then she did not want to pursue that anymore. So she didn't sell anything. She didn't sell her business. She didn't sell her house. She literally gave everything away to her employees and her family members. And then we moved to 97. Well, my dad, you know, gave up his business as well. I don't remember exactly what he did with that, but in 97, that's when we migrated here to uh, California. And how old were you? I was seven. You were seven or something, okay. Yeah. Uh, we moved here to California and we started from, you know, from zeros. Uh, we had no, no money, no income. My parents got any job they could to put some food on the table. And we moved into a small, super small one car garage in Oxnard, California, which is like an hour and a half north from here. And we did that for a couple years, right? We made a garage into a bedroom and that was our life for the, for the first three to four years of living here. I eventually, you know, we, my parents saved enough money to move out and we moved out to Canoga Park and we had our own apartment and everything was going well, right? I was in school, I was learning English um, I was called Fez, but, you know, Fez from the 70s shows, but I, I was learning it and it was, I was grateful for that opportunity. Mm -hmm. I was going to school and my mom had opened up her new business, which was a hair salon here. Mm -hmm. And she just tried to, you know, use what she knew, the skills that she had developed in Mexico and apply them here. And uh, life kept getting better until I hit high school. And I wanted to try out and into the baseball team. And after tryouts, you know, the, the coach said, hey, everybody, you know, I don't know if you were in sports. I can't remember. But, yeah. you know, they have you do in a health evaluation. Mm -hmm. And they have to go, you know, have to go get your blood work done. And so we did that. And my, you know, in that moment is when we found out that my own kidneys were failing. They were only working 12, I think 12%. And you know, it just completely shocked us. You know, the wow. doctors said, hey, your son shouldn't be walking. He should be in the hospital. So this was freshman year of high school? Freshman year of high school. Okay. And so, as you can imagine, you know, it really flipped our world upside down. We, everything that we went through when I was, you know, four to six, it started all over again. Weekly doctor appointments, we had, you know, we were lucky enough to have a special type of health insurance, uh, being that I wasn't from here, mm -hmm. um, that because you were 18, you know, everything was covered, thankfully. And so we had, we were at UCLA and I had dialysis three times a week, right? From eight to 12 in the morning. Um, and that was my life for a year. I was in dialysis. I had, I had left high school because I was too sick to go. And I was just too busy trying to stay alive through dialysis and all the other doctor uh, appointments. And so, you know, the liberty that my mom had to take those days off uh, from being a business owner, mm -hmm. uh, to take me to UCLA to get dialysis three times a week for other doctor's appointments was the same liberty that caused her to, to lose her business. Her clients left, her employees left, and 
you know, she had to close down her business. And so, you know, she didn't care though. She was saving my life. Mm -hmm. She, we had found out during that time that she was a match and we were doing everything we could to prepare for a possible transplant date at that time. And so, you know, a year later, uh, we went through all the tests, everything was approved. You know, she was, I believe a 98% match. And so we went through the kidney transplant. Um, it was a, probably the hardest things that I ever been through in my life. I don't wish it upon my worst enemy. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in the hospital for three weeks and then I was in bed rest for two and a half months. Um, just trying, you know, I, I had to learn how to walk again. I, I had to learn a lot of things because, you know, being stuck for that long, just not doing anything, uh, and being so young, you know, it really affects your mental health. And how old were you during this time? I was 16. So what was going through your mind when you were in bed rest for two and a half months? Um, you know, it was happiness, of course, grateful that I was alive, but I don't think I really understood the impact that the going through that transplant really had. Mm -hmm. Not, not as I see it now. I see a, wow, I had a second chance at life, literally. At that moment, at that time, it was mostly a, okay, I got sick and you know, I got a new kidney. Cool. It, it was a big deal, but not, I hadn't put that much importance to it, which I should have, I realized now that I should. Um, uh, so I was happy, but I was also sad, you know, I was considered the sick kid in school. I was just not doing well socially and it affected me because, you know, I, I did not have that many friends and not that many people visited me other than my immediately close family. Mm -hmm. And so that affected me. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, not being in school, you know, during those two years, it really got me. I was in, I was, I did homeschooling for that period of time. Um, so I missed out a lot of my, you know, teenage years in high school. Uh, but ultimately I was alive. I had gotten a second chance and I was really grateful for that opportunity. Um, and, you know, little by little, everything started to get back better. My mom, you know, started slowly uh, building up her clientele again, but it was nothing like it was before. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad, throughout that whole time, he was in the background just working, right? He was an hourly employee, and in order to keep everything afloat and make sure the bills were taken care of, he's the one that decided to work so my mom can take the time off um, and really, you know, both let us both recover. Unfortunately, as we were starting to climb back up, 2008 happened. Mm -hmm. And it really hit us the hardest, right? My, my mom had not the, she no longer had the foundation that she had for her business. My dad was just an hourly employee and they were both, well, he was let go, my mom lost the business and they had filed for bankruptcy because of all the bills that we had, right, from the hospital from the hospital visits, the credit card debt, uh, in order to stay afloat. And so it, it, that's what hit us the hardest, right? Mm -hmm. It was okay, we went through what happened with my sister and that was extremely tough, but we got through it. What happened with me, extremely tough again, but we went through it, right? It was our, uh, our, inability to go through an emotional roller coaster that happened when you lost when you lose your financial foundation that really cracked you know our our how we were put together mm -hmm. um 
the you know it's one thing to to go through these events and and say okay you know it sucks to go through it but you push forward and it's that perseverance and the mindset that allows you to you know keep pushing and i realized that it's because you may have some sort of financial foundation and that's what we were missing right we had nothing that had prepared us for something like that um in our lives there was no financial literacy in our family and so you know my dad became an alcoholic my mom developed a gambling addiction i you know i was now healthy at the time so i was i had the freedom the liberty to go and do whatever i wanted but i felt that i had to you know spend my time with the wrong group because i felt that i that was where i was getting the love that i wasn't at home right because we were all dealing with our own problems mm-hmm. uh, in our own ways and coming from a very you know traditional hispanic household it's a very you know you you keep all your internal problems to yourself and if you show them or if you converse about them with anybody it's sort of uh, showing that you're weak right and so nobody wanted to talk about them my mom did not want to talk about what was going on especially after the last 10 years of just you know one thing after another one my dad did it as well and so uh you know those addictions uh, were developed i then started to hang out in the streets where i shouldn't have and that that was you know my life 2008 2019. i actually ended up in jail on my 18th three days after my 18th birthday because i was uh with the wrong group I had the group that I did not, I shouldn't have been with, but like I said, you know, it's, it's, you're in a period where there's no love at home. Um, maybe in the way that you, you could have received it. So you could have been aware of that there was love. Right. And I found that somewhere else. And so I started hanging out with the wrong group. And so ultimately I ended up in jail. Uh, during that time I was, my bunkmate was this guy who was in there for murder. So he was there for life. And that sort of made me realize that I, you know, I had three options, which is so, you know, what you hear from all these different stories that either you're going to end up in jail, you're going to end up, you know, six feet under, or you're going to end up incarcerated for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And I saw that literally I was already, my health had already gone. Um, I was in, in jail with some guy who was in there for murder and he was there for life. Mm -hmm. And so the third option was death, and that's something I did not want to go through. Um, and you know, after it was a very small period there. I think I did two weeks in there. Um, after that, do you want me to continue and go into my adulthood, or or stick with this childhood? Because that's that's really where I transitioned into, let's say, you know, a man. Um, <laughs> What do you, do you want me to continue? No, so I, I think that's a great segue. Um, I, I wanted to underscore a, a couple of points you said there where you realized, okay, I need to now sort of like straighten up, right? Mm-hmm. And, you, and you realized that uh, your family was lacking financial literacy and, and so you took that upon yourself. Um, I wanted to know, Obviously, that's the field that you're in now. It's where you've been very successful, especially in recent years. And um, was there a particular mentor who kind of pulled you aside and said, hey, uh, I could see you doing this? Was it something you saw online? Was it just something you kind of started to formulate yourself? What got you into the financial industry? Uh, I did not have a mentor. 
my mentor was YouTube and books. Mm -hmm. I'm huge on reading books, right? As you can, you know, we've talked about this many times, but books, you know, what I learned in college, I went to college for finance, but what I learned in college did not really set me up for what I do now. Mm -hmm. And so it was all pure internet and books. Um, there was nobody there to guide me to say, hey, this is what you should be doing. This is what you can do. Uh, it was mostly my interest because of what we went through in 2008, right? I felt that, uh, I, I realized two things, right? As I transitioned from that period into like my adulthood. And that was that, one, we, because of our, you know, our lack of financial literacy, our financial awareness, the events that we went through were 10 times, the, the impact that it had on us was 10 times bigger than we should have had. Of course, it's it's you know, it's an emotional roller coaster. But if we would have had a our financial plan, right? There's there's several buckets within a financial plan that people should be filling throughout their life in case any future events happen, right? Uh, because you already set a financial plan, that those sort of buckets will take care of you. Um, let's say if you need to take off work for a year, you should have some money there saved, right? We didn't have that. Mm -hmm. And that is what allowed our emotions to just um, uh, break out and not be contained. Because, you know, it's one thing where when something huge and emotional happens, but you sort of still have a place to live, right? You sort of still have income coming in and you don't literally have to worry about food. You know, what, how are you gonna you know, eat later on? You literally don't have to eat about or, or worry about, hey, how will I, my kids get to school? How will I get them to, how will I get to work you know, because of gas money, right? That's a different type of surviving. Um, and that's what we went through and that's what broke us. And so I realized that, right, financial literacy was missing in our life and I wanted to help us not go through that ever in our life again. Mm -hmm. And two, I wanted to, in, in a way, one of the ways to combat that and to prepare for the future, I wanted to create uh, passive income. I thought passive income, hey, well, hey, you know, one of the things that I, I went through during that period was that no company could hire me or keep me employed because I had to take a lot of absence of leaves. I had a lot of doctor appointments. I had dialysis. I mean, literally, my dialysis appointments is typically an eight-hour shift, right? Especially coming from Canoga Park to UCLA. That's an hour and a half each way in traffic, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then four hours of dialysis, right? So my mom was literally there with me eight hours a day. And when you have that sort of schedule, you know, how do you make income to survive, right? So I said, okay, at the age of 20, I said, I need to find a way to create passive income. Mm. And so my, that, since age 20, that was my focus. How can I create passive income? Uh, so later in life, when I go through that life event, which I'm currently going through in a way, um, how will my family or my immediate family, if I'm in a relationship, um, how will they be taken care of if I need to take an absence of leave again for six months or a year and not be able to work? Mm -hmm. That that was my start to learning how to you know prepare myself financially. Okay, yeah, thank you. Um, so I know this through the conversations obviously we've had, but I know that it was in your first year you lost 20,000? 15,000. 15, yeah. Uh, and then your second year, that's when you broke even, right? Well, so my first year I lost 15,000, okay. which was... And, and can you talk about what you lost 15,000 in? 
Uh, it was just different learning how to trade pretty much. You know, I don't know what I was doing. I was buying and selling at the wrong times. Uh, different things, whatever, whatever companies you can think of, I was uh, just buying and selling. Um, I lost 15,000 my first year. My second year, I lost a little bit, a little bit. I want to say maybe two, 3,000. And you know, this, at that time and at that age, it's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on my third year, I was flat for the year. On my fourth year, I made a little bit of money. And on my fifth year was the year I've made enough to pay off or cover some of my school expenses, right? My tuition, all the debt that I had accumulated from all those years of going to school, which is the fifth year of when I graduated college. Um, but it was a five-year journey. And you were how old at this time? 24. Okay. Um, so during that time, when you are losing money, right, you've been through the experience, you know, you know, of obviously losing your sister, you've been through experience of you going through, you know, some of the, some of the similar treatment, the 2008 crash. What kept you going during that time? to say, okay, I'm losing money, but I feel like there's a there's a light at the end of this tunnel. What kept you going during that time? Uh, knowing that other people had done it. So I knew that it was possible mm-hmm. because if somebody else did it, there's no reason why I shouldn't, if I put a certain amount of focus and discipline in hours, there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to reach that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it was the pain that I went through, right? You know, a lot of people ask me, even my parents asked me, they, they brought it up a lot of times, why are you doing this? And like, just go get a job. I mean, I did have a job, like get a job for, uh, that applied for your, you know, your You're working your at degree. Chili's at the time, right? Fridays. Fridays, okay. Yeah. Um, right, go get a job in your field, whatever you're studying, right? All my friends were getting jobs. Everybody was making, you know, their entry level, right, jobs. Mm-hmm. They're making good money. And... I kept telling them, no, like I'm going to pursue this as much as I'm failing now because none of them understood the pain that my family went through and the pain that I went through, mm-hmm. knowing that, um, you know, that we had literally no money to survive and we had to do what we needed to do. I mean, that was, that's what led my mom into a, you know, I love her and she's overcome that. But during that moment of time, if you have no money coming in, what are you going to do? Well, let's see if I can get lucky gambling. Right, and that's where that mindset—that's what pushed her towards that, and ultimately that ended up being a really bad decision. But it stemmed from an emotional decision, right? Um, and so, forget your question. <laughs> so the question was—I um, forget the question too, but I, I think it, it was along the lines. Uh, I'll follow up on that point. Of, was there a moment where you, or was there anybody telling you like, hey, this is not the mm-hmm. right path that you should be taking? Um, and you kind of touched on your yeah. parents were, yeah. were some of those people. Was there a certain moment um, when maybe you lost a, a, a large amount of money, whether it's in a day or in a week, where you seriously contemplated, where you maybe created like a pros and cons list or or some something to that effect? Um, no, I never had a big loss because I, I, I knew about risk management. Okay. Um, because of the, you know, something that I did learn from the classes, my finance classes was risk management. So I never really um, invested all of my money into one thing, right? I spread it out, I diversified. Um, and so any kind of losses that I went through, yeah, I had a, a year where I lost all my money, but during each month, either I made couple bucks or I lost a couple bucks. Um, I'll tell you that 
um, I did hit a moment in time where I was not profitable and it was sort of at the end of my my losing journey, right before I, I started to become profitable and I started to become a little bit consistent. And that was when I made the decision to take a month off from work and, and say, hey, if I'm going to eat, if I'm going to have money to literally survive, it'll come from trading. Mm -hmm. And so I took a month off from work um, and I literally thought at that time that if I punish myself in some way, right, I will find a way because I'm forced to, to be, find, you know, profitability through trading. Okay. And so I feel like that was like the turning point because that literally gave me a timeline mm -hmm. where I needed to like figure something out or I, you know, in my head, I'm not going to eat if I don't. Yeah. Right. It wasn't like that, but I mean, I literally cut my income off for a week to understand what that pain was like and to literally focus and dedicate, you know, my time to, hey, what exactly I should be doing. Um, and it worked because from that point forward, I wasn't profitable from, you know, day one, but it did lead me down this path that ultimately gave me consistent profitability. Right. So that was two years in. That you that you did that? on the third year. Third year, okay. Yeah. So on the third year, you uh, burned the boats. So I burned the boats. There you go. Um, cool. So that leads me into some of the uh, firms that you have now created and um, some of the systems that you've started to create. So, okay. So you're starting to have some success individually, and then what was the moment that you decided that hey, I want to potentially make this into a company? Uh, so before I tell you that, I got, I got to tell you, I got to share how I got to that point. Okay. And you know, I kept trading on my own, uh, but I was just trading out of my bedroom. Right. And say, so I said, well, you know, a lot of my friends are saying they're going out with their coworkers to go out this weekend or do this and that. And I, yeah, I don't have any coworkers. Right. I'm just in my room trading. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, while that's like the, that was my biggest dream ever. Right. But it's just that social aspect that you still need because we're social beings. Yeah. Um, so I, I said, okay, well, I'm good at making money now. I can make money for the rest of my life how can I help people? And I said, okay, I want to help people with their health. How can I help them make better decisions? So if they are going through some sort of illness, it can help them, you know, postpone whatever in the worst case, you know, scenario. And so I started working with a company called Medtronic, which engineers insulin pumps for people with diabetes. Mm -hmm. And I was in their sales department. So I spoke to patients all around the US and during my, my time there, I realized that there was a bigger underlying issue, which was financial literacy, believe it or not, regardless of income. And I thought it was a, a income, um, you know, illness, right? If, in my head, if you made under seventy, eighty thousand $80,000 a year, then of course you did not have any financial literacy. And because you not, did not have the, the adequate income, you could not prepare yourself financially for the future. But after speaking to many patients who were making a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, it really didn't matter because they had no financial literacy. They had a lot of credit card debt. They had a lot of um, health-related debt, and so I, I found out that many of these people were either moving back to their parents, moving back to their siblings, selling their houses because they could no longer. Um, keep up with the payments and instead of you know either file for bankruptcy which some of them did they had to 
get rid of their largest expenses, which was the mortgage, right, cars, and uh, in order to stay afloat. Mm -hmm. And so in that moment, I realized, well, yes, I could help people with their health, but obviously there's a bigger underlying issue. And that's, um, you know, people, America doesn't have financial literacy, right? We are one of the biggest and, you know, uh, consumer-based countries, probably the biggest, and we don't know how to save, right? Sixty mm percent -hmm. of Americans don't have enough money to retire, mm -hmm. right? So, at that moment in time, I said, okay, I want to help people create financial plans. So, in case they do go through a life event similar to what I went through, they'll never have to go through what my family went through in two thousand eight. Um, if they're able to fill up all those buckets within their financial plans, uh, you know, yes, they will go through these life events. Um, and it's not an if, it's a when, right? You will have a sibling or a family member pass away because it's life. Uh, you will have somebody that loses their job, 2020, right? Mm -hmm. uh, everybody lost their job for a period of time. And so if you do not have money saved up, and if the government was not there, or if the government delayed with any help that they could offer, then it was really up to you. Mm -hmm. And if you did not prepare financially, then we saw what that looked like last year for a lot of people. And so uh, I left Ventronic. I, I went to go work for a financial planning firm. I got you know all my certificates and licenses, and I learned how to create financial plans. Mm -hmm. And it was at that time that I said, hey, I could not only could I help, help people uh, create financial plans, but I can also manage their, their assets. I can find a way to create strategies that can help them navigate the markets. And that's what has led me to found, you know, to create these other companies that I have now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so you would say that financial literacy is, is the biggest deficit missing right now for a lot of families. Is that oh, accurate? Of course. Yeah. Um, for, you know, somebody who comes from a family where financial literacy isn't discussed, where they don't have the necessary tools, what's a good place to start getting on that path? Discussing the family's, you know, savings, their expenses. You know, you have to know what your current lifestyle um, cost is mm -hmm. and how you are, you know, whether you're a good saver or not, whether you have, uh, three months of a rainy day fund, right? If you don't analyze and audit your own family, immediate family's economics, right? Then that won't allow you to really understand how to uh, position yourself better in your future, mm -hmm. right? So if you audit yourself, if you audit your family and say, hey, do we have these savings set aside? Do we have, um, are we contributing to our retirement accounts, et cetera? Are we contributing to our health savings accounts? Um, if not, that's a good place to start, those conversations. And I know those conversations usually don't go well and they don't start well, but you know, if 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 not you then if not you and if not you during that time, then when would it happen, right? Yeah. It's it's interesting. I forgot what podcast I was listening to. I don't know if it was a podcast or if it was an interview, but it's almost like for some families in America, discussing your finances and your savings and your retirement and how much you make is almost as taboo as like discussing your sex life. And some people would prefer to discuss their yeah, sex life yeah. over to discussing their finances. So 
have you found it have you found certain ways to bring up the topic um for people who maybe struggle discussing finances that's a good question i don't think i have um i think you know it, it just it depends on on the family you know it, it, how are those parents you know or siblings going to welcome you into having that conversation mm-hmm. um maybe you know a good way to start is by auditing yourself first and then taking mm-hmm. a period of time where say hey i analyzed and i audited myself for the last three months yeah. for the last six months these were the changes that i made and these were the improvements that happened not only in my finances but in my qual- uh, quality of life and my outlook on life from that point forward and this is what I'd like to implement with you guys and say, hey, let's do this one month at a time, one week at a time. But hopefully during that time, you and your family, you know, while you have those weekly or bi-weekly conversations, you can start to, to see, hey, if we make these changes, these adjustments, you know, it'll help us. So I feel like that's a good start because you're making small changes that won't really, um, you know, it won't really impact a, a you know, it's like steering a ship. If you steer, you can't steer a ship 90 degrees from one day to another, right? You have to make small incremental changes. Right. And I think if you approach that um, on a subject that's very taboo, then you can ultimately hit your um, your goal of really having your family have financial literacy and prepare themselves for the future. Yeah, and that's the whole theme of this podcast is starting with yourself and then you know trying to help others. So I think that's I think that's great advice. So you've obviously done very well for yourself, especially the last, you know, five, six years. Um, where do you see this ship moving in the next five to 10 years for you? That's a good question because, you know, right now I'm going through some health complications. It's been 15 years since my kidney transplant and, you know, kidneys are typically last nine to 11 years. So I'm you know, thankful that it's been this long, but I am having those complications now. Mm-hmm. And I've had to make several lifestyle changes. Um, you know, I would love to say, hey, I, I want to be doing this and that. And that was my, you know, everything comes down to the businesses, right? To the income that I'd like to make. Um, but that was my goal for the last 10 years. And I wanted to get to a place where, hey, uh, my parents don't have to worry about money ever again. Um, as, I'm, as I'm entering that stage, now it's more like, hey, I want to make sure that um, my focus is now on my health. You know, so my 10-year goal now is, hey, if I can postpone dialysis, if my kidneys keep failing, at, you know, um, as time passes on. Um, that's where I see, you know, myself in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yes, my business is, I, have, I now have the skills um, that will allow me to generate revenue on a consistent basis for clients. And so I know that I've taken care of those needs and now I can focus on my health. And I, you know, luckily for me in this business that I am, I can work from wherever I want um, as long as I just am connected to a laptop. And I sort of have the freedom to then uh, take, you know, a month off if I need to because I created algorithms, right? Over the last two years that now not for all the you know portfolios, but for a good amount, it, they manage those assets, and it, you know it's like an employee. It's working for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so little by little, I hope to have more algorithms in the future, and 
you know, just sit back, have that going. I do want to, you know, start a nonprofit. I probably brought this up. I bring it up to everybody all the time because I'm big on helping people create the life they want. I, I'm creating the life I want. And I'm, I'm showing people that it's possible, regardless of where you're from, regardless of what you've gone through, that you can, you know, create the life you want. And so my ultimate goal, and as long as my health is there, which I know it will, is to have a nonprofit that literally helps people create the life they want in any capacity. Um, right now I have access to a, a large network that I did not have growing up, that I, I did not have when I was 20, right? That if you were at, to ask me when I was 20, hey, where do you see yourself in 10 years? This is not where I saw myself, right? I was partying, I was doing stuff I shouldn't have been doing, I was hanging out with the wrong group, mm -hmm. and I'm a completely different person now. Um, it's just everything, my whole life has changed, but for the better. And so I want to use the businesses that I'm creating now as a byproduct of what I ultimately want to create. Mm -hmm. And that's helping people, uh, you know, like I said, create the life they want, whether it's changing their beliefs, helping them change their beliefs, helping them change their um, lifestyles, you know, whatever that looks like, I want to, to take part in that. Uh, I don't know when it stopped, but we're gonna start it up. Uh, the video still has it though, so okay, that's good. Um, well, thank you for 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 sharing that. And I know, yeah, obviously prioritize your health more than anything else. Um, so that kind of leads me into the the next thing that I wanted to talk about, which was with you. You know, obviously you've done very well for yourself financially and you've been very successful in that department and you're now starting to shift towards, okay, I want to focus on health. I want to kind of take a step back and if I need to dedicate time for myself, take a month for myself, I'm going to do that. What are ways that you center yourself? Is that through certain books? Is that through um, any beliefs that you kind of, you, you touched on uh, a little bit ago? Uh, how do you center yourself? Uh, books, definitely. Uh, meditate. Um, mostly it's practicing gratitude. The more I go through, you know, something that I did not go through when I was younger, when my kidneys weren't failing, when I was going through dialysis, was finding gratitude for life, right? For the smallest things. You know, funny that we're talking about this. I just remembered in high school, I, in one of my, in my arts class, we were to make a seven to 10 foot um, item, whatever it was, right? It was for arts project. So I made a, a seven foot long toothbrush and everybody was asking me, why a toothbrush? I had all things like, and then I told them that, well, when I was in the hospital for three weeks, all I wanted to do was brush my teeth. <laughs> Literally all I wanted to do. And I couldn't because I couldn't move for a week and a half. I literally was, on the hospital bed mm -hmm. with a seven inch scar on my stomach and I couldn't move because I, or else, you know, the stitches and the staples would start to come off. And all I wanted to do, I felt like the plaque or I felt gross. Mm -hmm. All I wanted to do was brush my teeth. So I did that for high school. And that's one of the things that I did not practice back then. I sort of, you know, while it's understandable, you know, I played the victim mentality, right? I obviously did not have the awareness that I do now, but 
it was mostly why me? Why am I going through this? You know, what, blah, 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 blah. Now it's mostly, you know, I understand because ultimately if I did not have gone through that, I would not be doing the things that I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. It would not have prepared me to be able to help my family prepare for life events. Um, and ultimately would not have prepared me to help people and, and share with people that, yeah, hey, you can create the life you want, right? Mm -hmm. So it's definitely practicing gratitude. That's something that we don't practice at all. Um, I, and I see that, right? From conversations that we have with people, now that I'm practicing on a daily basis, I see that, they, you know, whether it's a complaint or not, it's a small adjustment that you can make to your life that can have the biggest impact. Because now I'm grateful, you know, one of the things that was my, a way for, to centering myself was working out. That was my number one favorite thing to do in the world. Mm -hmm. Because I had, I was so busy with school, you know, back in the day, I was so busy with work. Woke up, 5.30 in the morning and go to the gym was my favorite part of the day. And I would always look uh, forward to that. Uh, I can't work out anymore, right? I've lost 15 pounds since I stopped working out. I, I don't eat the same. I have to eat healthier, I have to eat less meat. And instead of saying, well, I missed that, um, I wish I could do that again, I now find gratitude in that I'm still alive and I'm still able to do many other things, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I think that's the biggest. Anything I can say while it's helpful and, it's, and while it's helpful to your audience as well, practicing gratitude, I think, is, is, is better than meditation because it allows you to take it into account what is going well for you. Mm -hmm. And with a, if you come from a place with gratitude, then you can sort of find confidence in a new belief system in yourself to push forward, mm -hmm. right? Whatever it is that you're going through, finding gratitude will may help you become aware that, hey, you know, this is going, I understand, I wanna do this, I wanna make, whether it's six figures, whatever it is that your goals are, you know, if you take some time first to find gratitude, I feel like it'll give you the confidence that you need in order to say, okay, th these are my strengths. How do I evolve from there? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That kind of re reminds me of, um, you know, and, and we've talked about stoicism and stuff mm -hmm. offline, but it reminds me of stoicism and Ryan Holiday's The Obstacle is the Way with, and that doesn't matter what comes across your path, you're going to be fine. You're going to be able to persevere and, and get through it. And I think part of that, why you understand that is because you know, like, hey, like I always know that things could be worse. I know that at the end of the day, I still have me intact. Right. Um, something that I say, and I say it kind of tongue in cheek and, and jokingly, but when, when something goes wrong, I say, well, I got my health. <laughs> like, I, and I say it in a joking way, but it's true. It's like, yeah, at the end of the day, it's like when you're still breathing and you're still yeah. able to do a lot of the functions. We still live in America where we have all of this opportunity to be able to create the life we want. Yeah. Um, it's very easy to overlook the, the amount of possibility that we truly have. And it's always easy to point to, well, this person has it better because they have this and they have that and they have this opportunity and I wasn't born into wealth. But, but again, I think practicing gratitude is a, is a good uh, solution to kind of offset that. Yeah, time. and everything that you're saying comes from a, a belief system that is not doing you any help. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's being a disservice to you. Yeah. Um, and finding gratitude will help you create a better health, uh, belief system. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask you, uh, and 
I have not read it, <laughs> so I apologize. But I know you, you haven't read it. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> but you you gifted me this book. I think it was last Christmas or for my birthday. It was, yes. it was one of them. Yes. Um, so I, I do apologize. But Conversations with God, you said, is one of, if not the most transformative book that yes. you've read. So I wanted to ask you about that and why that book is so transformative. And you know what? If you don't need to... Um, I apologize for not reading the book because I know that you'll read the book once you're ready for it, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And I understand you're not ready for it because in order for you to read it, a lot of things need to happen. You know, some of your ambition towards materialistic things, towards an income level, um, and I'm not just, you know, as you, for anybody who's, who, who's approached with that kind of book. Right. A lot of those ambitions that you have from, you know, the current, you know, belief system that we have in America needs to get thrown out the window, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't mean you, yeah, of course you want to have a nice salary. You should have a nice salary because it will help you prepare for the future, right? right. But it, once you pass over that hill of that hunger, right, um, you'll be ready for a book like that. Mm -hmm. Once you're ready for a book like that, you read that book, and it's probably, I want to say definitely top three, 33 books that have changed my life, mm -hmm. because it's answered a lot of questions that I've had throughout my whole life. And it, because it answers questions about life, right? Um, and I read it over and over again. It's, I, there's just so many, it's, it, it's you know, it's, it's a book on, the author is speaking to God. Um, he's a clairvoyant. And so he has the ability to, he has the, the spiritual awareness to, to converse with source, you know, or God, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. energy, whatever, whatever it is that you want to call it. And so he asks the questions, the human questions that we all have, right? Why this or why did that? And I realized that, um, you know, the, the best thing that I could share from that book that applies to everything is that our the opportunities that we have to experience something right the opportunity that you have to interact in a relationship with your parents with your significant other any interaction whether it's with yourself with a, a dog anything the purpose of those interactions are for you to learn more about yourself and if you did not have those interactions, you would not know the difference, right? If you did not know right, you would not know left. If you did not know up, you would not know down, right? So a lot of the things that we do is we judge things that doesn't align with how we view things mm -hmm. or our belief systems, right? We judge, 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 but we fail to realize that because of that, uh, that interaction that we're having with something that we disagree with, we fail to recognize that that is an opportunity that allows us to recognize ourselves even more because we now know that we do not like that thing or person or event, we have learned more about ourselves. And with that new knowledge, we create a new reality, right? Every single, so ultimately every single event interaction that you have it gives birth to a new you because from that point forward, you will now then create a life that you want from that experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing I could ever take from it um, because, you know, of course I judged a lot when I was younger, right? Mm -hmm. in, I mean, in high school, you, 
that's you know, people don't have the love of awareness that they should and in high school you see it you just you're judging everything you have your own groups um, and they fail to realize that hey because of that experience you've become this in life right because of your experience with you know we talk a lot about how hey we're you know especially you and I during that um, same age was that hey it's probably not the best to be in relationships Mm-hmm. Because I should be focusing on my own personal growth. And because of whatever past relationships you have had, mm-hmm. they helped you realize that, hey, did I just waste my time for that whole year? Right? Mm-hmm. Even though that's a great person. Yeah. Right? But it helps you realize so much. And because of that, you are now here. You are now pursuing this. I'm pursuing what I'm pursuing. Mm-hmm. And I'm ultimately creating the life I want because of every single event that's ever happened in my life. Yeah. And to me, that's huge. Mm-hmm. So when you're ready, you'll read it. Listen, I, yeah, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and I don't know if it's, it's material things, but it is that same sort of, it's interesting because it's that same sort of mindset that you wanted to, why you got into the industry that you did is because right. you want to be able to have stability. Right immediately for your family and then i'm thinking i want to be able to have stability for my future family and my current family like for my cousins uh you know for mom and dad even though they're they're good respectably on their Mm -hmm. own Mm -hmm. i want to be able to provide that as well and um and so that is a a big reason but it it, it's interesting because we've talked about be do have as well it's like you kind of have to be the person and and sometimes I feel like I, I can get in the habit. I think a lot of people can get in the habit of, well, you're trying to have this, but you're focused on having this instead of just being a person who kind of yeah. lives that out. Yeah. Um, so really, really interesting. That brings me into uh, one of the last questions as, as we kind of start to wrap up here. Uh, what does success mean to you? Um, you know, back a few years ago, I would have told you wealth. I would have told you something related to that. Mm-hmm. I would have told you something with, you know, reaching a, a body goal, right? But now, I think success now is finding gratitude in everything that I do and everything that I'm able to do. Um, because ultimately, you know, when will you say you're successful when you take into, when you, when you find gratitude for what you've done? Right, you know, let's say our a, a physique, right, a body goal that we have that I had when I was younger, right. When when do you feel accomplished? When you're fine, when you're grateful because you reached that um, body style, right, that uh, or that career or that income goal, right. But that's because you now have it and you're grateful. I made it or this or that. Um, so I find that if you remove those those future haves. And you just focus on gratitude that you realize that you're already successful mm-hmm. in in that manner, right? You're successful in creating the life you want, and then all the other things that happen in your life are are um, are extra things, right? It's a cherry on the top, yeah. right? But you're creating the the life that you want, and I think that's ultimately success, and that comes with gratitude because you know uh, as you're creating the life you want. You can do all these other things, but all those things come because you're creating the life you want. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and that gratitude and knowing that you've done that and you're, you're whatever you know you brought up earlier whatever it is that you're going through you will get from Ryan Holiday right like you will um, get through it and, and you'll persevere and you'll you'll you know be in a better place mm -hmm. uh, because you're creating the life you want yeah and I, I want to underscore that right there where you said what you get at the end that's a cherry on the top and you know I, I did the, the 75 hard and um, I thought my physique looked look amazing but that truly was that was just the cherry it was like cool my body looks like this now mm -hmm. like that's that's awesome but like the feeling of being on that challenge the feeling of waking up and, and feeling like I'm I'm living a, a purposeful life and I'm, I'm, I'm getting after it and right. I feel energized and I'm getting sunlight. And I'm not only that, but I'm also more accessible to my loved ones. I feel on top of my stuff. So now I get to help others. Like, this is awesome. I right. love what this challenge is doing. Right. Um, so no, I, absolutely. So the last question that I wanted to ask you is, in your opinion, what does it mean to be a man? To be a man? Awareness, probably. Um, I mean, re, you know, like it's not a masculine thing, right? It's not a masculine versus feminine. Mm -hmm. It's it transcends that. It's more of a once you reach a level of awareness that you only reach it through experiences, right? Through interactions, through everything that you go through. Um, so if you were to say, hey, once you reach this level of awareness, you now in the in the you know in the common sense you're a man, uh, uh, sure, right? But you know, a man, what what is a man? What is the masculine figure in this world? I think it's somebody who has the self awareness to uh, create the lives they want and cr help others create the lives that they want. Mm -hmm. And that has no feminine or masculine, to me, no feminine or masculine definition. Mm -hmm. It's just that energy that now you are, um, you reached a certain, you know, energy level and you're, you're happy pursuing whatever you want. And because of that, you're a magnet and you're inspiration to others. Um, you know, one of the things that I've heard a lot when I share my story is that, um, I heard it, I, I forgot where I heard it from, but you know, it's a quote that says, um, if you share your story, you'll help somebody else break away from their prison, right? Mm -hmm. And as you create the life you want, because you've developed the confidence and the perseverance to push through all those limiting beliefs and doubts that you have, that we all have growing up, you are now a, 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 you know, inspiration or a light for others to say, hey, just how I at age 20 said, hey, if somebody else can make money from trading, then I'm gonna do it, right? You give that person that superpower. And that's ultimately what, you know, we can do to each other. And it comes back to the, um, you know, the experience that we get from each other. Um, and that's, hey, if you're able to do this, well, wow, you know, I'm sure with you sharing your 75 day heart, you've, you've inspired other people to, not only just pursue that, but have a healthier lifestyle. Yeah. Right. You take part in their, in their, you take part in they realizing what changes they need to do and create the life they want. Mm -hmm. That's a man to me, but there's no definition as a man, right? That's mm -hmm. what I'm trying to get at. It's just, it's energy, a level of awareness that you reach.
that you're now able to do that for yourself and for others. Yeah. And that's what ultimately has inspired all of human civilization to grow and continue to grow through these um, several decades. Yeah. So that's my long-winded answer. No, that was a great answer. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's purposely designed to be, to be open-ended. What does it mean to be a man? Because that's what this podcast is, is exploring. It's like, because there is no concrete definition, yeah. right? It's like, we're, we're constantly um, in pursuit of, of what that means, right? At least this, this podcast is in, in some sense. And, uh, and I just want to touch on that one point of when you tell your story, you enable people to be able to potentially break out of their prison and i think that's that's amazing and i think yeah when i shared the 75 hard there were several people who dm'd me it was like hey like i've been i've been thinking about doing it like should i do it and i'm like yes of course right, go after right. it and i know that you've had a similar experience when you've shared your story and I think that's what most people's experience are. When they share something, when they're vulnerable or they go through a challenge, we're, we're all connected in some way and, and somebody's struggling in some some aspect and you just being vulnerable to, enough to speak up, share your story, talk about something that either positively impacted you or even negatively impacted you, the chances are there's somebody who relates to that. And, uh, and so I think that's, that's great. I thank you. For being here and sharing your story i know that of course. um I, I know that there's going to be a couple of people who who definitely get gain benefit and if not i definitely gain benefit from this conversation and um as always uh what i just wanted to say is that you can check out uh christian carry on do you want to mention your your socials yes yeah, so my instagram is christian f underscore christian f carry on underscore I believe. Sorry, I'm not on Instagram that much. I'm on Twitter mostly because of one of my businesses has to do with okay. Twitter. Um, but, you know, if there's any people out there who are interested in in, in trading um, or, you know, have a passion for this and, you know, if you guys have any questions that you can ask me, my Twitter is at tradingboxes, like a box. Um, and that's it. You can, just, you know, reach out any questions you have. I'm always uh, ready to help whatever, whichever way I can. Well, thank you again for being here, Christian. I, I, again, I definitely enjoy the conversation. And as always, start with yourself and then try to help others. Take care.